Hey everybody, welcome back to View From The Top podcast, where we help growth-minded men who desire momentum in their business, their family, and their finances get through the valleys and up the mountain to their very own View From The Top. Thanks for joining with us back today, man. As we get into the episode today, uh, y'all, we have a, a, an in- interesting topic. And the idea of building trust with our kids, but not just building trust, what about those moments when we've broken that trust? What does that look like for you? Maybe maybe you've got a situation with one of your kids where you've got a lifelong challenge with trust. And maybe it's just you broke trust with one of your kids a week ago, and it's just a journey to earn that trust back. So we're going to talk about uh, what it looks like to build trust with our kids, our children, and also what it looks like when maybe we've not done a great job with that. What are some things we can do to build that back? So as we get going today, let's get Big A in the studio to get us off and rolling. Big A, welcome. Wally, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, We've had an interesting week this week. Uh, My mom fell last Thursday. (laughs) Those that have been on this journey with me for about a year know my mom's had a few health problems and she fell and broke her femur. (sighs) 89 years old. She had hip replacement last year, fell in the backyard. Listen, she was peeling potatoes she threw the skin out of the yard for the deer. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, deer don't need you to feed them. Like she, and got off balance, fell, and broke her femur. So now she's got a 15-inch rod, eight screws, and two straps holding her leg together. So Goodness. Hey, y'all that know my mom and have heard me talk about her, you couldn't kill her with a baseball bat. She is tougher than <laughs> she's a She's pretty hardy, I'll say. She is hardy. But other than that, Wally, I'm ready to roll. I'm doing great today. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, doing good. Robin and I were having a discussion about a number of things, one of them being as my mom gets older, you know, she lives in a mother-in-law apartment that's attached to our house, and she still drives. So y'all look out for a Toyota RAV if you're running around Nashville anywhere. But we're starting to think about putting these devices on her phone that you can track her. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you've seen yeah. those. Yeah, you know, yeah. Some of them's called the Life 360, and then there's other apps. and Find other my ways, phone. Find my you can, phone. You can yeah. add yeah. Folk, yeah, family. All kinds yeah. of stuff. But when I went to my mom, she said, I don't want you to do this. And I'm like, <laughs> why, mom? She goes, I don't want you tracking me. And I'm like, mom, you're getting older, and what happens if you get out and, you know, you forget where you're at or something like that? She goes, well, if I, you were worried about that, you ought to take the car away from me. Ooh. But she said, I don't want you to do that either. But I thought it would be an interesting topic for a second what are your thoughts around that? Like, primarily, though, Robin and I started talking about it, and I'm going to hear from you first. But sure. what do you think about doing that for your spouse? So we have done that with our daughters when they were younger in high school. And Sonia and I have done that for years. For yourself? You yeah, yeah, she can look on her phone where I'm at at any time, and yeah. I can look on, on her phone where she's at any time. Yeah. So a couple of months ago, this, this can get you in trouble. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, actually, I didn't get in trouble. There was one time where Sonia called me. We were having a conversation, and she mentioned something about where I was. Like, in total, like, she had looked just to see. I was probably supposed to be home or something. And she looked. She didn't call me up and be like, hey, where are you at? None of that. But she just called me up. We were having a conversation, and she mentioned something about a place that I had just been by. In total normal conversation, I had those moments. I was like, (gasps) my gosh, where did I go? Like, what did I do? Did I saw my wife? Like, I didn't. But it was interesting that I felt that way. So, a pilot, you felt violated. 
no, no. I thought maybe I did something wrong because then I realized in that moment that she could see where I had been. And I'm like, did I go someplace? I, I didn't, but I wondered, had I? Well, a couple of months ago, she went with a friend to watch a uh, volleyball game with one of her daughters. And uh, complete transparency here, it was one of those moments where I wasn't feeling real, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Secure. Uh, secure yeah, in yeah. our relationship at yeah. that moment. I mean, it was literally probably a two-day thing, but I don't know if you guys, if you ever had that kind of thing where you just, something's going on, you just don't quite feel. Anyway, so uh, I came down from the office. She had left about about uh, one o'clock or something. I came down from the office and I noticed that her rings, her rings were on the, the table, like next to the, the key stuff. I'm like- You're talking about her wedding rings. Her wedding rings. Yeah, I'm sure. like- her wedding rings. Now like, you got a reason on? not to feel so secure. <laughs> so I was like, what is going on? And then, and then, so I went to my phone and I looked up where she was and she's at this bar. <laughs> Seriously. I looked at my phone and it says whatever something cantina yeah. bar. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is, I tried to call her. She wouldn't answer her phone. So it's about a half hour later. She calls me and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, uh, what's going on? Like, what's up? Well, she had taken her rings off because she had worked out that day and forgot to put them back on. So she wears uh, like a silicone ring now. <laughs> when she goes and works out. Fix that problem. And they stopped for dinner on the way home at some Mexican restaurant. And they just happened to, to happen on the, the app, happened to show up like as a cantina oh, yeah. and bar. Yeah. And uh, perfect storm. Yeah. Rings yeah, yeah. at home at a bar. You're not feeling secure. But it does have those, it, it, can, it can mess with your mind a little bit. But it's, I don't know if it's good or bad, helpful or not helpful, mm. but we do it. How yeah, about you guys? So is there a time that you can look at and go, that was helpful? Like truly helpful? Like did it did it help any, save in any way? From someone getting hurt or I something? No, I don't think that's that's been that's happened yet. It saves her from calling me sometimes. Like she knows right where I am. Like if I'm uh like okay, so last week we're doing the podcast recording. Right. And we ended up working later. Right. To get some other things done, yeah. and she ex- looked and saw you. She did. She's, I'm still. He's still there. At least I know where he is. Yeah. So she didn't have to call. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> Robin and I talked about this at length, and we both feel the same way. Like we, neither one of us want it. it so you haven't us. done it. You oh no, after, we won't do it. Okay, you 100%. won't do it. No, no, we won't do it. Neither one of us want it uh, because she said there's no purpose in it, and. We talk through it, and I agree. I don't really know. Like if she wants to know where I'm at, she can call me. It feels, for us, not everybody, yeah. for us, it feels like an invasion of your privacy. It feels like, it feels like for us, again, it's... it's For uh, each other, it feels like an invasion it, of privacy? It feels, for her, she feels like, hey, I, I told you where I was going, and you know where I'm at. Uh, I don't need you to check on me. Uh, I'm not a child. I'm not a teenager. I'm not a senior adult. Uh, I'm your spouse. I'm a grown woman. Uh, I don't need you checking up to see where I'm at. There's, there's no point in it. So for us, it feels like a violation of privacy for each of us because we respect each other's privacy. I know y'all respect each other's privacy yeah. too. It's just an easier way for y'all to see that you're at my house recording a podcast than you are at home, which works for y'all. But I'm saying for us, uh, we both are like, no, I don't want that. Now, so even even what if scenarios, like like you, give me an example. Well, your wife's taking a road trip for a couple hours away or something, and mm-hmm. and uh, and she did that. We did that 
our whole marriage until we got these That's fair cell phones and there was never a problem. My mom is 90 years old. She's lived just fine without it. Well, I don't think that it's a problem. Like there's never been a problem. Like I don't think it's yeah. about solving for a problem. Yeah, I think if it's for kids maybe or if it's for senior adults maybe just in case they have dementia or mm. they're out or something from a safety standpoint. Yeah. I don't but I, I don't almost it. ask you like I don't yeah. almost be like yeah. I almost be like, "Well, why not?" <laughs> I'd be the opposite. I'd be like like, well, why, why, what does it matter? Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, well, there's just no purpose in it for us. That's interesting. Yeah, for us, there's just no, like, yeah, if you want to know, I'm running late, do you call me or text me or, you know, hey, I'm running late, I'm at Wally's house. Or, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> that's school. the reason we do these old school. Is, but we are old school. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and uh, that's why my mom has put up such resistance. But, Hey, listen, speaking <laughs> of trust, it's going to work right into our topic today, navigating yeah. trust with your children. I want to confess something to you, Wally, right out of the gate. Uh, this is a really important topic to me personally. Uh, two daughters, Brooke and Holly, one's 37, one's 40. Uh, we talked a lot about trust when they were children. Uh, I've always wanted to be trustworthy as their mm-hmm. dad. Mm-hmm. And I dropped the ball sometimes on some of these things. And uh, I had to go back, and we're going to talk about that further. Uh, but what, where this even came from is members in Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind, they submit questions to us or topics that we think would be good for the listeners yeah. of View from the Top podcast. And our very own Matt Miller. Matt has been with us a decade now, 10 crazy? years he's been with us. Matt's a great guy. He owns School Spirit Vending in Stephenville, Texas. Uh, Matt has vending, uh, I think, I don't know, I don't want to mess this up, 4,000 locations total within their whole within, organization. Within the franchise? Is that, it's I a lot. The, it's yeah. a lot of schools. Yeah, I think it's about 4,000 schools they're in all over the country. I think Matt has five or 600 himself, and then his franchisees have numbers of them. But they sell these stickers to kids, uh, for like 75 cents or something. And it's got a really, really cool business model there. But Matt submitted this question, what are some ways to build and destroy your children's mm-hmm. trust? And Matt's done a great job with his kids. He's got three children himself, and one of them just got married recently. And so, Matt, thank you for being in Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind. Now, from the very beginning of 10 years, Matt leads one of our groups. He's a facilitator. But he submitted this question and so, yeah, we wanted to dive in a little bit and talk about some of the ways that we can strengthen trust with our children. I think one of the places, Wally, and it's not just with children, but it's everybody, is having just open communication. And so did, did you set the stage like when your girls were at home intentionally sit down to have eye-to-eye contact and you know, active listening and really, like, did it just happen around the dinner table? Was it around the fire? Was it structured? Like, what did open communication look like with your family when your kids were at home? Yeah, I think that a lot of us have something in our lives that that we grew up with in our own childhood development. And then we get married and have kids. And sometimes we choose that to be different, right? Like, that happened for me in my childhood. And I want my kids and my experience leading my family to be different. That was one of the things that we chose. Both Sonny and I had grew up in, in families where I think we knew our parents loved us. And 
at the same time, like there was not a lot of uh, like transparency, vulnerability, and depth communication. And we intentionally led into that when we started having children. Like, do you remember the age? Like, were they elementary age, teenage years? Like, it probably grew as they gotten older because, you know, they need more attention, more open communication. Yeah, I think some of the first that I remember, that I can remember, some of the first moments that I can recall go back to when they were in uh, some kind of sporting activities. They did like upward basketball up through like sixth uh, sixth grade and things like that. And so I played softball and did some gymnastic stuff and they got into some school sports. When they got into the sporting stuff, that's really like a extracurricular activities, I think is a really good place to start molding. They start getting their character built and stuff. And so I remember, you know, you have teammate problems. We had girls, so... Uh, the drama, you know, with in their classroom and stuff was a little elevated. And of course, you get on sports teams and you've got teammates that, you know, competition. And then you've got coaches that that may not, just being frank, right? They may not treat you well mm. or fairly. It happens sometimes. Mm. And so those are the first moments that I can remember of just of of them coming home and starting to complain or say, "Hey, so and so, so and so did this, or this teacher, or this 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 coach did this or that," and listen to them. And then our response was typically, we never fixed it for them. Like we really, you know, we want you to. And so having those. Oh, open, really? You never went to the school or mm-hmm. you never went to the coach or you never. I remember twice where I went to a coach and I went to a teacher, but it was after they had made the effort themselves. I gotcha. They met with them one-on-one. They had a conversation. And sometimes they would just drop it because they realized, well, I don't want to, I don't want to really address it. I just wanted to complain. Right. Yeah. And so those were very intentional conversations mm-hmm. that Song and I had about, just being open and transparent and allowing them to develop. I, th- I think we were very, in, and then as we went on through teenage years and obviously as they got a little yeah. bit older, uh, it was around finances, it was around relationships. It was intentional. All, it was 100%. It for us, yeah. it was 100%. Yeah. You know, when you said that, it made me think of one time. Now I'm embarrassed. I've got to admit this to you uh, publicly, but Brooke was in the second or third grade. And Brooke was a chatterbox, man. She could not quit talking. And the teacher called and said, Mr. Walker, we got a problem up here with Brooke. You need to come to our school. They went to a private Christian school called Davidson Academy just outside of Nashville. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'll never forget, I went up there and a teacher came out in the hall and I said, go get Brooke. And they said, well, can we just talk first? And I said, no, I want her to hear what I got to say. So we went and got Brooke and <laughs> brought her out to the hall. She's looking up and crying, you know, and she's, Fearful and oh, I just thought life was over, man. And I okay. asked the teacher, I said, uh, "What's the problem?" And she said, "Well, Brooke won't quit talking." And I said, "Brooke, is that true?" And she said, uh, "Well, I, I like to talk." And I said, I looked at the teacher and I said, "Have you busted her hind end yet?" And the <laughs> teacher said, "No." I said, "Well, don't call me back up here until you bust her hind end." Next time she talked, we didn't have any more problems with her talking after the third grade. I gave that teacher permission. Yeah, in front of Brooke. Yeah, in good. front of Brooke. Uh, and so that was open communication for me right then and there. But listen, here's where I did fail miserably with communication with our kids. And it wasn't out like that in public. It was privately. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that was is that when Robin and I would have disagreements, and I think that it's age appropriate about what I'm about to say, but we would never disagree in front of the girls. We would never give them a model to disagree because I always thought we had to be unified as parents 
and we really couldn't disagree in front of the kids because we felt it would send a, 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 a mixed signal to the mm-hmm. kids. And so consequently, uh, the kids have had more difficulty in arguments because their parents didn't argue. They felt like, and they felt like something was wrong with them because they right, did. Right. And so we failed miserably there, I think. I think that age appropriately, there should have been things that we should have brought to the family rather than me and Robin privately discussing those. And another thing is, is we never had any financial discussions with our children uh, as it related to difficult situations. Now, we all about celebrating, you know, when things were mm. going good. Mm. But when things were tight or we couldn't do certain things we wanted or we couldn't buy certain things that we wanted, uh, there was never a family discussion. It was just, well, Mom and I decided not to do that, and so we're not going to do it. And I think that also hindered our children as young adults and even now possibly because it's more difficult for them to work through financial matters because they didn't see their mom and dad. So I just want to encourage the listeners as you think through this, uh, don't make some of the mistakes that Wally and I did, maybe do some things differently or take some of the things that sound beneficial to your family as we go through this. But I think, I think that open, we, we started with open and honest communication revolving around the idea of building trust. trust. Right. Right. And I, the opposite happened. We'll talk a little about this a little bit later, but the opposite happens. is true. Like without open and honest communication, I think that doesn't, the door. Yeah, it doesn't help build, like, in those other moments. No, it doesn't. It completely shuts the door. Yeah, because usually usually when trust is broken, mm. there's some type of, uh, something has happened for that to occur. Mm. And so if that happens, if trust is broken without open communication, there's no way to resolve it. No. Yeah, yeah. No, because yeah. you don't have a platform to share. Right. And that's what we really did. The girls, you know, we always told them, hey, you can come to us and you can share anything. But we didn't honor that ourselves you know we always wanted everything to appear to be okay and um so through through that in regards to the trust that you're talking about with your kids and giving them a platform um did did you solicit from them problem areas trials that they were experiencing or was it always just a one-sided kind of teaching moment what did that look like pragmatically when you were in these discussions so when we had three daughters and with our, they were five years apart. So we had Ashley and then three years in Julia and two years in Jenna. And I, I've gone back and apologized to Ashley for this. Uh, but I screwed her up pretty good the first 10 years, maybe 15 years of her life. I was that same thing you just mentioned. I wanted to look good on the outside. I wanted to keep her in line. Right, right. And I bought into that somehow, mm. uh, whether that's because... You, you think know, that was for her benefit or yours? Oh, it's totally for mine. A hundred percent for mine. And then we started learning some things mm. about personalities and we started learning some things about uh, a little bit deeper about our kids and raising them and whether it was through some like videos and books and things like that. And, and we made it, Sonia and I made a switch pretty quickly once we realized that. And that is like, how do we allow the girls to like be themselves? There's boundaries and there's sin is a sin for anybody. But I'm saying as far as like each of them is their own individual. So giving a safe space for them to be able to talk about things and be themselves without like they can't say it because, you know, dad's going to look at me wrong or he's going to automatically just come over top of me and, you know, say, hey, you don't think this way or whatever. And I had those moments for sure. But we worked hard after, 
you know, kind of messing Ashley up a little bit. We worked hard at, at not doing that, giving them space to be able to talk. I don't know about you, but I know with our daughters, like you create all this opportunity all evening long to have conversations. And then I'm super tired. It's 11 o'clock and there's this knock on the door and, and they sit on your end of the bed for an hour and just yak at you telling about what's going on in their life and the struggles and challenges. And that moment, sometimes I'd like be, you know, trying to keep my eyes open. Sure. Yeah. But it, I look back mm-hmm. now and I go, dang, what, what yeah, I wouldn't give, like what I wouldn't give right to be having that hour conversation yeah. right now. Well, you're smarter now and you're more wise and you would have probably been a better communicator and a better listener. And uh, yeah, but don't, don't beat yourself up. And even the listeners out there today, if you failed in these areas, don't feel a sense of guilt and regret. Like, let's get better yeah, like, right from on. here forward. Let's just get better. Let's just say, though, that you've created this environment that's safe for children. That's what we want. We want them to feel safe. Mm-hmm. That would, it would be terrible for children not to feel safe in their own home, right? And so we as parents have to present this. But how would you describe safe? Let's just go there for a second. Because when you say safe, it's easy, I think, for all of us to think, well, of course they're protected. Like they're physically yeah. protected. Yeah. Our home is a safe space. You know, there's not a... I think giving them permission to share their honest feelings. To be them. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean that we're going to agree. Right. Or that they should be disrespectful. And we would always say, oh, I would never tolerate that being disrespectful. Yeah. Right. I didn't grow up that way and we didn't raise our girls that way. And hopefully our girls are not raising my grandkids that way. Right. But what I'm talking about is a a zone where there's no judgment, no condemnation. Uh, We'll talk through it. That doesn't mean we're going to agree with it, but we'll talk through it. We're always going to love you. Nothing you could say or do will ever change my love for you. Now there's going to be consequences. There could be, yeah. As a result of some of your actions. And I remember Robbie saying recently, our pastor at Long Hollow, you can pick your sin, you just can't pick your consequences. That's right. And I think that's true even for the children today. Yeah, you can go do this, go ahead. But as a result of that, there could be these consequences. And so I think having these kind of discussions with our children is healthy. But what I wanted to know is that what if they really disagree and it's not in alignment with your core values? Mm. Give me an example. Like, what happens if they do something that's just totally contrary to the Wallenbeck's core values of things we're the absolutes, whatever that may be for you, and they want to live that lifestyle or they want to not have these boundaries? Or what are we going to do? How are you going to talk through that with, you know, Ashley or Julia? Yeah, I can tell you. So Sonia, my wife, was a rock star at this. She... Uh, we did it together, but she was really the advocate for this. She created, I think, what we called the Wallenbeck Way, mm. and uh, she would talk about she would talk about like what the Wallenbeck girls do mm. and how they do it. Now that that probably took on a little bit of potentially a negative, prideful connotation at times. So yeah, be mindful of that. I think that that did at times, but the 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 essence of what we were trying to get across to them is that as a family, as a Wallenbecks, like this is what God's called us, us to. And as mom and dad, like we have this, we explained all this. We've walked through, through this numbers of times, you know, each of them had moments in their life growing up, especially in teenage years where well, I wouldn't say they would go against our core values, but they would choose, hey, I, I prefer to do this. They were pushing the envelope. Yeah, I, I would rather do this, I'd rather do this. And it was like, well, right. we right. hear you. Thank you for letting us know. This is what we've decided. We, you know, we, we've considered what you've said. This is what we've decided. And here's why. Mm. 
it may not make sense to you, but this is as a fan, as mom and dad, we're responsible. This is our Wallenbeck way. And we ask that you honor that. But you have to, here's the thing. Like we can think all of these things that, that I'm saying in our heads and never actually talk to our children about it. And we, we, we lose that opportunity to really create connection and go deep with them. Yeah. To treat no them purpose. like human beings. Right, right. That they are. And you know, Wally, let's be honest, uh, even on this talk, there are challenges that parents today are facing that you and I really didn't have to face. There's a lot of changes in life now, gender specific. There's alternative lifestyles. There's so many things from a technology standpoint that they're having to deal with today that we didn't. Yeah, there's a lot more, a lot more exposure to those things. Exposure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so we've got to, you know, be creative in the ways that we talk with our kids. But let, let's go back even a step further. Is you can't just abruptly go in today if you've never had any open communication and go, okay, I listened to this podcast today. And they said this is what we're going to do. Like you've got to start with the foundational principles of loving them and nurturing them and listening to them on a very small scale before we get into these deep conversations. One of the things that I really liked is said that. Uh, families that eat meals together mm. have so much more opportunity uh, in order to have these conversations because it feels like a safe environment. And I want to encourage you. Robin did a really good job with this. I'm not sure how y'all did uh, as a family. Robin always had dinner ready, 536 o'clock. We ate dinner together every night as a family. Some families listening to this right now can't, and we get that. But strive to one night a week or two nights a week. Just start making some attempt uh, to have those meal times together. You just can't not spend time with your kids and expect them to come in there and respect you and listen to you without you nurturing that relationship. So don't go in there, jerk the rug out from under them tonight and say, this is what we're going to do from now on. A, a good tool for that, if uh, you're not used to doing that, like if, you, if, you're, if you're already thinking about it, man, if we have... If we have dinner, let's say, let's say that you don't normally eat dinner together, or even if you have dinner, you don't you know, talk about things, you know, things that, that matter. There's uh you can go out on Amazon and search like uh, family table conversations. Mm. And there's tools like the cool little, questions. we have one. Yeah. There's a little yeah. box of all these little cards with questions yeah. in them. And each dinner, man, just pick a question out and read the question off. And then you answer it to start. You answer it first as the dad, like you be vulnerable, you be transparent, you answer the question. And then lead well your family that way. It's just a super yeah. simple thing if you're not used to it yeah. or it feels uncomfortable. Uh, it's a great way just to start a conversation, whether that's at the dinner table. Uh, another way you can do it too is uh, your kids go to bed every night. doesn't matter if they're a teenager or they're, they're five. At some like, point. At some point, they're going to head to their bedroom. <laughs> right. That's a great marker in the evening to say, okay, when, when they walk into their bedroom door, I'm walking in behind them or closely and I'm just going to, kneel beside, I'm going to kneel on the floor next to them while they're sitting on their bed and I'm just going to hold their hand and pray for them. Mm. Like, even if you did that once a week, it's funny what things our kids remember. Mm. Uh, I, that's one of the things our girls remember and I know I didn't do it nearly as much as the Holy Spirit was prompting me to. <laughs> but they remember that. Yeah, yeah. And so you can do these little things. Just, just be creative. Start somewhere and be consistent. You know, when I start thinking about the benefit of the kids' trust, I start thinking about it's really about them. We want to make this conversation about the kids. My spiritual mentor, Bob Warren, always said, let their story be their story. Don't match mm -hmm. them. Don't one-up them. Uh, always actively listen to your kids. Mm -hmm. And 
I didn't do a good job of that early, uh, but once I started getting involved in coaching and mastermind groups and mentoring, uh, and then I was a mentee to Bob Warren for about 20 years. It really helped my active listening. It's really lock eyes with them, put down the laptop, put down the cell phone, turn off the notifications, get away from the TV, and really get involved in their lives because kids want to be heard first, and I don't want you to shut them down, and you'll shut mm-hmm. them down big time. As soon as that phone rings, you pick it up, you're done with them. So really start thinking about that. Give them your undivided attention. Sit down, call them by name, right? That's the greatest sound for any of us is to be called by our name. And then make eye contact with them. Get down on their level if they're little kids, right? Don't stand up. They have to look up, get down on their level with them. Uh, Don't interrupt them. Man, when you're talking to them, let them talk. And even if it's not making sense, that's where I messed up. <laughs> even if it's kids, not making sense. Listen, when I when the kids were little, I wanted to fix everything. Yeah. It's like they tell me something, I'd interrupt on Here's how you fix it. Well, I've learned that you know, oftentimes they just want you to listen. And so I just want to encourage you mm-hmm. to show empathy, you know, and you that was something that I didn't score real high in was empathy. And uh don't jump to conclusions. That's another thing that I would do. The girls would start talking, and I would already go three steps ahead of them and, you know, have the solution for it. I jump to conclusions also, and I try to fix it just immediately. And, yeah, just uh, really don't do that. No. I'm, that, those are great suggestions, man. I, I've failed at a few of those myself. Yeah, we all have, <laughs> right? Yeah, we, yeah, we can do better now. For I can do sure. better with my grandkids, you know, as, as we go through this. Wally, I think one of the best things that we could really encourage parents today on is to be consistent. And I probably see this as a failure more in coaching clients that I coach and guys that we lead in ISI Mastermind is that they'll do something for a couple of weeks and then they'll deviate to their old habit. And kids need consistency. Man, there is such an importance in parenting with consistency. I remember as a child... Everybody thinks my mom and dad was Sergeant Carter, you know, because <laughs> they really meant what they said. Yeah. And my mom would say, hey, if you're going to get a spanking or if you're going to get a toy or if you're going to get time out or if you're going to get free time, whatever I say, that's what's going to happen. You can count on it. But today, we don't do that oftentimes. Oftentimes, dads will say, hey, I'll be home at 530 and we'll go do a daddy-daughter date night or I'll take my son to the ball game. And then at 5 o'clock, Customer comes in, you got to do another email, you call your wife or your wife calls your husband and says, hey, I can't do this. Well, it's just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And eventually, the kids don't have any sense of reliability on you as an adult. And I don't want to guilt you in this. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Yeah. And I know that times, periodically, that we have to do some things that we don't want to do. We, we get that. But man, don't let that be the theme of your life. I really want to encourage you today to be consistent and really think through the promises before you make the promise. Is there any way that I could have a disruption where I can't do these things? And then tell the kids there are going to be consequences as a result. If you do this, it's your choice. I can't make you do the other, but there are going to be consequences. That's that communication. And they build trust because they know they you're allowed to make that choice, but there's going to be consequences and make them understand that. So I don't want to beat this up too much, but I do want to say that consistency is really an important part. What are some things that you think, just quickly before we wrap up today, mm-hmm. some ways that maybe, Wally, that you can think of a time where you really destroyed the trust with one of your girls? You don't have to get into the particulars of what it was, 
But well, I will. Okay, I will because okay, I, right, we I knew we were having this. I knew we were having this podcast today, and I reached out to all through my daughters and asked them the question. I said, "Hey, was there a time that any, any one of you can remember where I've I broke your trust?" And I was encouraged because there really wasn't a whole lot. I even asked them about Santa Claus. I'm like, <laughs> oh. I'm like, I'm like they're like, no, no, you were, you were fine on Is that. Is there something about Santa Claus? That we need? Well, I mean, you lie to your kids and tell them, hey, there's Santa Claus. And they realize there actually isn't a Santa Claus. And so anyway, so uh, aside from I that, I'm not, go go, yeah, I'm not going to do the Santa Claus bit. Oh, okay, and they're okay. good. They're good. They know. Anyway, okay, so maybe we have to give it a no kids listening under 10 can listen to this podcast today because we just said there wasn't a Santa Claus. But anyway. Know. You disappointed me. Yeah, I know. So it's something that... Uh, that I had to do, we felt we had to do that was age appropriate with, uh, with our, it's the top, probably one of the most difficult, not the top three hardest things I've ever had to do in my life, which was uh, before we had kids a year into our marriage, uh, I, at the end of the day, I had an affair and we never told them that, that that had happened. And God had started to work in, in my and Sonia's heart. We'd started to share that with more people to be able to minister to some people that were going through some similar situations. You know, this is like 15, 18 years later, of course. And so we knew that our story was going to become more public and our oldest was getting married. And we're like, okay, this God just really pressed upon us. Now is the time. So I had to sit down in front of my, my uh, three daughters and my son-in-law and one of my son-in-laws, uh, my son-in-law-to-be and, uh, and, and can not can really confess like I'd done something wrong to them, but we shared with them, Sonia and I both shared with them the story of how it happened and why. And, and it was in that moment where, I mean, the, the light came out of their eyes for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. When I say a few minutes, I mean, probably a couple of days toward me. They didn't look at me the same way for a couple of days. And uh, God was restorative in that. It was a couple of days later and, and we followed up with, you know, each of them individually and then all together and, and, and everything was fine. But in that, that's the only thing that they could recall is to say that I know you didn't do that to me directly, but isn't it interesting? Like even, even our sins in general affect other people in ways that we can never expect. And, and because my life had been a story of asking them for forgiveness when I was wrong and owning things that, that I had done or I had said, and not blame or shift blame or any of that because I had a history of, of them, of doing that with them when they were, when I was raising them, not perfectly, but a history of it, that their ability to, to, uh, to let me have that trust back came really, really quickly. Isn't it funny how resilient they are, Ugh. kids? And I want to encourage the listeners today, uh, kids are resilient. And if they know you really love them and they know that you're making an apology and you want to have that bond and that reassurance to them. Kids are resilient, man. They are so forgiving. They bounce back and they love you. But see, here's the problem is that we don't share that. They find out later and now there's a grudge. Yeah. And so, man, it's really, we got to really be mindful of age appropriate when yep. the right time 100%. is, right? You don't have to go out and share all your dirty laundry. I'm not encouraging anybody to do that. But your girls respect you and trust you more now than ever as a result of you being willing to do that. They actually wrote that in the text. Do they really? Yeah, they said because of that, we actually we learned to love more. and trust you more. Yeah. yeah. I remember years ago, I broke my kids' trust and uh, shared it with them. And uh, that night I went to bed and there was a note on my pillow that said, you're still the best. Oh, wow, man, you got me going. Tears rolling. That is so, so good. (laughs) Listen, guys, it's never too late 
to no. rebuild trust ever. I want you to really think through how that you can go and apologize and make an amends. Just go to your kids and say, hey, I was wrong. Yeah. And uh, this is what I want to do. Uh, really emphasize uh, the power around uh, sincere apologies to your kids. Just say, I emphatically, I'm saying to you, I'm sorry, and I apologize, and I want you to forgive me. And discuss how to apologize effectively, not only to your spouse, but to your kids and how they can come back to you with that. Just this open, genuine love, genuine compassion, genuine empathy, and just really apologize. And, man, it would be so hard for people not to accept that yeah. kind of apology if you genuinely do it. And I just want to encourage you today to think about how you can build that trust with your kids. Just practice that active listening. Uh, when you're sitting there, get out on the floor, get at eye level, get in their world, go in there and lay across their bed in their bedroom. Uh, do something to get in their world. I want to encourage you also not to judge too quickly. Just sit there and listen, even if you're right, right? It doesn't matter at that moment. <laughs> even if you're right, just sit there and listen. Don't judge them. Uh, take your time with any solutions. And you're older and you're wiser and you do have solutions, but let them come to that on their own possibly, right? And just help them work through that solution because when we own it ourselves, uh, it sticks even better. And then age appropriately, I want you to give a level of trust, like in such as Wally's example with his kids, that may or may not be the right thing to you and for you. You have to work that out with your family. Mm -hmm. And then I guess finally, I would just say that you've got to be consistent with everything you do. Consistency is what I want you to take away uh, from this podcast is that implement a good strategy, love your kids well, uh, trust them, let them trust you, and do it in a consistent fashion each and every time. And the reason that we want you to do that, we want you to have that life of success and significance as you go on your journey to the view from the top. Hey, thank you all for listening in today with us. Uh, as we wrap this week up, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, the question is, how are you building trust with your children? So whether you're doing that now actively or whether you need to start doing that, what can you do to build trust with your children? You can join that conversation, that question right there by going out to vfromthetop.com slash group. That's G-R-O-U-P. You'll be redirected to a private uh, Facebook group where we're answering that exact question and other guys that are business owners, that have families, that are faithful, are in there working on answering that same question. So we invite you to go there, viewfromthetop.com slash group and join the conversation. What are you doing to build trust with your children? And we'll see you next week.